0: welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Our desire at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to our guest minister for today.
1: Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for your kindness. Um, I appreciate the room. Uh, the basket was awesome. I'll be eating out of that basket the rest of the week. So I appreciate whoever did that. Thank you so much. Those, those things mean a lot. They are a blessing. And so I've, I've been really blessed to be with you. And uh, man, I was having to exercise patience. I'm ready to go. And it's like, come on, receive the offering. Let's do this. Amen. (laughs) So thank you for your giving. That's a blessing. Uh, We've distributed right at 55 million messages, absolutely free, all over the world. And our partners make that possible. And meetings like this you know, help and contribute to that. That's just a big deal. And so I really appreciate it. And a lot of lives will be touched because of your giving. So thank you for that in advance. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for calling us. Lord, we are blessed. Forgive us for any ungrateful hearts or unthankfulness, even in these challenging times. And Lord, I just pray that this house would be a house of peace reconciliation, and then, Father, it would have an impact that even as you've called victory to be a, a church not just in a city but for a city, I pray that our churches really be for our cities and make an impact as we run our race. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have a lot on my heart, and I want to manage my time and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit on what needs to be said and how much to cover. But I have spent two sessions with you, bringing you to this place of this race that we've all been called to. And our main text was out of Hebrews chapter 12, and it talks about in verses 1 through 3, how that we have this great cloud of witnesses around us, and that we need to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us or knock us out of the race, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And then he talks about how we have to run with patience this race, and in that we have to consider Jesus as well as look unto Jesus. So I've laid, ai believe, a good foundation that will help you receive what I have on my heart tonight, because this race, again, is a grace... Race. We are a grace people and we have to understand if we're going to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we have to understand John 1.14 that Jesus was God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. You can't be looking unto Jesus and you can't be considering him in all the challenges of this life. And not be uh, looking to grace, you have to understand that grace is in Jesus, and when we embrace jesus we 're embracing the very grace of God. See grace is more than a doctrine though it 's a, a vital doctrine it 's a person it 's a person and and it is what empowers us to run this race it 's what keeps us in the race and I just have some important things to say, and I'm really trusting God to be able to get this out, again, within a certain time frame. But in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul is encouraging a young pastor to be strong in the grace that is in our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to understand the amazing grace of God, and I'm concerned at large in our country we've lost the amazing grace. In the grace message. People do not understand the amazing grace of God. And they're looking to everything to solve our problems, especially in our culture. But the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the church is responsible to minister grace to each generation. To share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. To share the good news that is rooted in the cross and in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the effect it has on the human heart and a culture. we have lost the reality of the church being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We, the church is even bought into all this cultural philosophies that are spoiling the minds of an entire generation. And we're looking unto everything, it seems like, but Jesus. Yeah. And I want to encourage you in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I shared with you how that I have a book coming out that I was so privileged to have the publisher ask me to write the book. And that's probably, again, one of the biggest honors of my life and will continue to be uh, as a young author. And he had heard my messages on the counterculture. And he just felt, we've got to get this message out. Would you write the book? So our culture, whether we want to face it or not, is saturated with hate. It's saturated with death. And it's saturated with darkness. And the church cannot be a party to any of that. The church can't engage in all of that. The church can't be reacting to all of that. We have to be a culture of love. And God's kind of love. And we have to be a culture of of life we have to value human life all human life life from the womb to the tomb all different forms and kinds of human life have to be have to be loved and and we're called to do that and again celebrate life we're we're supposed to be light in the midst of all this darkness and yet many of our churches are embracing hate death And darkness as solutions to the brokenness of humanity today in our world. Instead of understanding and preaching the cross and the power of the cross. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm telling you, many churches today are ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and then the Greeks. And whether you know it, I don't care what color your skin is, I don't care what nation you came out of or you're going back to, we're the Greeks. We're all... The Greeks that were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and through the cross, we have been not only reconciled to God, we've been reconciled one to another by the blood of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has made peace with us through the blood of his cross, and we ought to be at peace with one another as much as lies within us now. If we understood the power, there's a power of, of the cross, there's a power in the gospel that heals our brokenness heals our sense of rejection, heals all our pains that sin has created in our world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish, but to us which are saved, it is the power of God. It's the power to heal. It's the power to reconcile. It's the power to bring a new creation. A brand new heart, a brand new life it 's the power that changes men 's destinies, and on and on i could I could go and as i 'm writing this book i 'm having to deal with so many cultural issues, I had to do nearly an entire chapter on critical race theory, and how that many are being so duped and deceived into buying into a teaching that is centered in Marxism. And they don't even know what Marxism is. Our churches don't even know what Marxism is. They don't even know anymore. I had, to, I had to define racism in a book because people don't know what it is. And critical race theory, I don't want to spend my time getting into the evils of it, and yet the church is even embracing things like that. And I'm just picking one there because God gave me a term in, in writing this that I believe is going to help a lot of people that really want help because critical race theory basically teaches that all white people are racist and that we're born racist. Think about that for a minute. That all white people are racist and we're born racist and this is entering now our, our, our school systems It's been on college campuses for decades, but now it's entering our school systems where young white people are being told they are a racist even if they don't know it, and all black children are being told you are a victim even if you don't know it. So this theory is imposing a false identity on white and black, and yet the church is confused. So as I'm writing this, God commended me. I don't always get commended by God. I don't know if you understand really walking with Jesus. But I, I, didn't, I didn't read verses 5, 6, and 7, and, and 8 of Hebrews chapter 12. Because that's where God says, be sure and not faint when I'm chastening you. Because I chasten and I scourge. I beat, says God, every son. And that if you were without chastening, you don't belong to God. And that He chastens everybody and it's out of His love out of his love. So most of the time I get chastened. Well, this time I got commended and the Lord spoke to me a phrase I'd never heard. I've heard it since. Obviously, it's not original now. I thought it was at the time, but I wrote it in my book that God has called the church to preach critical grace theory. We have to preach and believe in critical grace theory theory. The grace of God is amazing. The power of the cross is amazing. The power of the gospel is amazing to heal again, our brokenness, to heal all of our divisions, to heal all of our confusion and on and on it goes. If we would just preach the cross and preach the gospel, lives would be changed. We'd be reconciled to God. And ultimately we'd understand we're reconciled to each other. yet we've not preached the amazing grace of God at large, and so people in the church are looking for other solutions other than the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you today, as fast as I can, Jesus changes everything when you meet Him. And when I say everything, I mean everything. He changes our eternity our destiny, he changes our identity, he changes all of our relationships, he changes our condition. He literally changes who we are. You're not the same person you were before you met Jesus. That's how radical he has changed all of us of every nation, of every tongue, and of every single race. How many of you know at least, I hope you do, that you're saved by it? You're saved by the amazing grace of God. You're not only saved by it, you're completely forgiven by it. Completely forgiven. You think the church has a revelation of grace where we know we are forgiven? How could the world condemn us and guilt us and shame us into anything if we knew how forgiven we were by the precious blood of Jesus? Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 talks about not only as your body's been purified by the blood of Jesus, that your conscience has been purged by the eternal spirit from dead works so you can now serve the living God. God has purged my conscience. The grace of God has not only forgiven me of past sins, but is extended in forgiveness to any present sin in my life, and my future tenth sins are already forgiven by the offering of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter ten says, "This man offered his body one time for sins forever, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, expecting till his enemies, every enemy, being made our footstool." You think people understand that the love of God and the grace of God and the depth of it is so? Awesome and amazing. I'm already forgiven of things I haven't done. I preached this one time in a church that had grace on the sign. (laughs) I thought for sure I could preach God's forgiveness in a grace church. And I had leaders, him try to pinhole me after the service, and these were leaders in that church. And they said, how can you tell people God's forgiven a sin before they even commit it? These are leaders. And I'm going, well, when did God forgive you your sins? Well, at the cross. Yeah. How, how, how long ago was that? <laughs> it's about 2,000 years ago. So Jesus died 2,000 years ago for your sins. How many did he die for 2,000 years ago? All of them. I hate to drop this bomb on the leaders here and other people that snuck in. But I'm here to tell you, all your sins are future tense. Amen. You don't have past, present, and future tense sins. All my sins are future fi- I'm future tense. So when I got saved, did Jesus get up off of the throne and have to go spill some more blood? Or offer another sacrifice because my sins weren't dealt with 2,000 years ago? No. He offered His body one time, four sins, forever. And now has sanctified us and justified us by His blood. I'm about to preach. I'm gotta, I gotta, I'm sorry. I get excited. That's why I will never let anyone condemn my children for the sins of, of previous generations. When God's not even condemning me for my own sins right now. There is therefore, Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law couldn't do and that it was weak through the flesh. I'm about to preach. I've got to hurry. <laughs> Jesus died for our sins. Has saved us. Redeemed us. Made us the very righteousness of God in Christ. And we're not supposed to know ourselves any longer after the flesh. But we're supposed to know ourselves now after Christ. Jesus forbids us to judge anything by appearance. John chapter 7 verse 24 Jesus said, do not judge by appearance, but make righteous judgments. We are forbidden to judge one another after the flesh. We're forbidden to judge after appearance. That means I am forbidden by Jesus to judge you based on the color of your skin, period. And I am to love you with the love of God and I am to treat you with honor. I'm to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength, and now my neighbor, regardless of color. As myself, I am supposed to do unto others as I would have them do unto me. And I'm to teach these things to my children. It's called critical grace theory. Amen. And if we'll teach our children critical grace, everybody say amazing. Because amazing. I found out when I say critical grace theory, people don't even hear what I said. It's so in their head something else, they don't hear the G. So we need to teach our children critical grace theory that God loves them, that God has forgiven them in Jesus, and that they need to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved from their sins. And we need to teach them that racism is one of many sins that the church cannot allow there to be a refuge for. And we don't even know the definition again of racism in the book. I had to define racism. And even I'm looking at it right out of two or three different dictionaries. And I'm going, how come young people today don't know the definition of racism? And that we're literally teaching a generation racism. And one of the many vehicles is critical race theory. And the sad thing is, I will be... Now, accused of being a racist, I will be falsely accused of of not caring about black people. I will be called all kinds of names just because I refuse to allow anything of the world to conform us into some image that Jesus has not conformed us in the image of. And yet, most of God's people do not understand a word I just said. And that is so sad. Because Jesus changes everything. And I could go on. I'm, I'm preaching a little bit too much. I've got to hurry here. But the bottom line is we need to get back to the church, the amazing in amazing grace. Amen. It is truly amazing. Let me give you three things. And I'm going to minister on this with my remaining time. Let me give you three things that grace radically changes in our lives. God's amazing grace has touched us in a way that three areas of everyone who believes on the name of the Lord has been changed, whether they understand it or not, whether they know it or not. You know, the new creation and what God has done, go to Second Corinthians chapter 5, the new creation, whether you understand it or not, is a reality in your spirit, man. If you're born again, you're different. Even if you don't understand it, you're different. Even if you're not aware of it. And a part of being a disciple is learning these three areas that grace has impacted. So number one is your identity. Your identity has been radically changed through your simple faith in the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is phenomenal how I could go to church my whole life and no one teach or even preach. I wouldn't mind somebody preaching who I was in Christ. It was like you never heard anything about your spirit, your born again spirit and who you are in Christ and the realities of the new creation and how that you're not supposed to see yourself anymore after the flesh. All I knew about me was my flesh. All I could see about me was my flesh. And I didn't like anything I saw. I used to be thin. I did. I used to be thin. Amen. That'll hit the rest of you later. I used to have kinky, nappy, horrible hair. I got a high school picture and Andrew wants it really bad. He's my friend and I won't give it to him because I know he'll put it on the screen at this next conference. And I'm not going to give him that pleasure. But I've got this afro that goes all the way shoulder to shoulder. And that was in the 70s. And a white boy with an afro, that wasn't popular back then. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I I could jump in a swimming pool and come up and it would still be perfect. (laughs) It was so thick, so big. I hated it. I hated my hair. I hated my size. I hated my voice. I remember I have an open vision in 1980 of the cross. And the first time I'm back in church, uh, I get prophesied over. Colonel Holt, I'm sure he's dead. He was old back then. See, he's with Jesus, I'm sure. But anyway, he prophesies over me. I'm not sure what's really going on. And he said, you'll be known throughout the world by voice. I'm thinking, you've never heard my voice. There is no way I'm going to be known throughout the world by voice. And yet God has taken my voice that if you don't know Jesus, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. But with the anointing of God and a hunger for God's grace, my voice is like the voice of an angel to millions of people now. That is supernatural. That was God taking even the weaknesses, and I'll show you that here in a minute, of my flesh and bringing glory to his son. Even in my voice. That which I hated after the flesh, given and yielded over to God, could be a blessing to so many people. And so on and on I could go. So your identity, your identity, and you can never learn too much about your identity. A lot of times I'll do a conference or I'll be sharing on our identity. And a lot of people just kind of start to check out because, oh, well, I know who I am in Christ. Well, just that attitude proves you don't know who you are in Christ. Yeah. Because this is an inexhaustible truth. Number two. And, 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 and number two is, is just as huge As our identity. And that's our abilities. Our abilities. There's something about grace that brings you an ability that you do not and cannot have without the grace of God. And many people never understand grace beyond merited favor. I get in trouble over this, so I need to be careful. Grace is merited favor. Unmerited favor. I said merited. It's unmerited favor. Uh, I get that. But man, I knew that. Sitting on the front row, totally defeated at church. That I've got this unmerited favor, but I had no idea that grace was the power of God to be what you can't be without God and do what you can't do without God. Never heard that. And I'll show you that here in a minute. And then the third, the third thing that is radically changed is your possessions. Your possessions. And when I say possessions, I'm not sure I have the, the best word for that. I'm not talking about just natural possessions, though that's part of it. But the gifts you possess, they're by grace. A lot of people do not understand. And that's why it's just sad. It saddens my heart. We've got to get busy as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But people are born with certain gifts that is the grace of God in their life. And if they're not a good steward of it, They won't use it for the glory of God. You're born with certain things that are gifts from God. When you get born again, you get certain gifts that are grace gifts that are from God. They have to be developed. You have to be a steward of them. But i found people do not understand that who I am is totally by the grace of God, so it's easy to give God praise. They don't understand that their ability comes from the amazing grace of God, Or they could be humble. You know, you don't have to try to be humble when you understand grace. You ever seen somebody trying to be humble? Oh my God. It's like, dude, just see grace and you'll be humble. Uh, So let's look at those three. Go to 2 Corinthians quickly. Let's go through these. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ... Compels us. King James Bible says it constrains us. There's a place in Christianity that God wants to bring us in our race where what constrains us from sin, what constrains us from hurting our fellow man, what constrains us from being mean, what constrains us is the love of God that's shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God, dear ones, has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5, 5 says, and it will constrain us. See, legalism constrains you from without, with chains, but doesn't affect the heart. It's like legalism won't let you go to the bar, but your heart is so down in the mouth because you'd love to be there getting drunk tonight. Okay, that didn't work. <laughs> we got it. God changes the heart and puts love in your heart for Him and love for each other so now you don't want to do anything to displease God and you don't want to hurt your fellow man. All the law is fulfilled Amen. in Love your neighbor as yourself, Romans thirteen ten says, and God's love works no ill toward its neighbor. The love that shed abroad in my heart, if I just learned to yield to it now, I won't work ill toward people of color. I won't work ill toward women. And I know, and I've already honored this church, that in your bathroom you say, you, please don't flush the women or baby products down the toilet. So I know you love the women. <laughs> I'm sorry. That still hits me. It's just funny. It's like, is that proper English? Do not flush women or baby products down the toilet. To me, that sounds like, all right, now let's treat the women right.
2: Don't be flushing them down the toilet.
1: Anyway, I got to get back on track here. See, the law said, don't commit adultery. But the heart wasn't changed. You may have not done it, but you wanted to. Love not only delivers me from the want to have committed adultery, love loves the husband and the kids when lusting for the woman is trying to tempt me and draw me away. I had a man that tried to convince me that he was in love having an affair. He'd Attended our church, was a part of our church. Hurry, Dwayne, please. And so I was counseling him. He was trying to convince me he loved her. And he knew what I was going to say. He knew I wasn't going to agree. He knew I was going to push back. And I started pushing back. That is not love. That's a deception. It's an ignorant flash. It's a piece of stupid. Sorry, it was counseling. It was with him and me and God alone. So I said those things to him. I wouldn't say that to you. And so finally, the Lord spoke to me. I really believe the Lord spoke to me. And I agreed with him. I said, you know, I almost called his name. I I, I said, brother, I believe you love her. And he just freaked out. It's like his mouth just, he thought I gave in. He thought I agreed. And, And so he just, it was amazing. He just lit up and it's like, you do? Yeah, I believe you love her. Let me ask you a question. Do you love her husband? Do you love her children? And this is kind of sad. I looked at him and said, do you love me? Because you're breaking my heart. You're working ill toward me in our church. He started crying. He repented. He's still in the church. Saved his marriage. Kind of saddened me at the time that he loved me more than anybody else on the list amen but it got him, Hallelujah amen. See, we have to understand it's the love of God shed abroad in our. it will constrain us. I am not going to work any ill will to you regardless of who or what you are. why? Because I love you. He goes on to say, it constrains or compels us because we thus judge that if one died for all then then all all died. And He died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for Him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. What are we missing? What am I not saying? What did He not write? (laughs) What Bible again are we not reading? Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Well, how do we regard one another. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now henceforth, or now Him thus no longer, or know we Him thus no longer. None of you knew Jesus after the flesh. But every one of you, if I said, How many of you know Jesus? That's all. <laughs> How many of you know Jesus? <laughs> 40 people just got saved. That's awesome. <laughs> Revival did break out, brother. I I heard God. All of you said you know Jesus. How do you know Jesus? You never met Him. You never walked the shores of Galilee. You didn't know Him as a carpenter. You didn't know Him as a son of Mary. You didn't know and don't know anything about Him truly. After the flesh. Your faith is not based in knowing Him after the flesh. How do you know Him? You know Him after the Spirit. And you know Him after the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how am I supposed to know myself now? After the Spirit and the Word of God. Yeah. How am I supposed to know all of you? After the Spirit and the Word of God. Amen. You see how simple this is? If we knew who we were in our new identity, we wouldn't have all these issues in the church. Yeah. Yeah. He goes on to say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone... The message of the gospel is for every nation, every color, every creed, every tongue. In heaven, when this all comes together and there's a a new heaven and a new earth, there's not just going to be one kind of people in heaven. Amen. Then he goes, old things. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who hath reconciled us unto himself and now given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit or to know that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself. We are the the carriers of the message of reconciliation. We are the answer in the cross and preaching the cross and the gospel. To reconciliation of the races, reconciliation of the sexes, reconciliation of our differences in our socio-economic statuses. Jesus has brought us together as one people, as one nation. A holy priesthood now. A peculiar people that He's called us out of all that darkness into His marvelous light. And yet the church is being defiled at large in many sections By the darkness of the world. We can't be guilty of that, saints. The church cannot be a refuge for any form of racism or other sins that are identified in the Word of God as deadly to the human race. We have to be loving, yes. But we can't compromise truth. Jesus is full of grace and truth. So if I'm looking unto Jesus, I'm looking unto grace and truth. this is a powerful one. Go to First Corinthians chapter six. First Corinthians chapter six, "I am to no longer know myself after the flesh and identify with my flesh. There's no good thing in my flesh. There's no good thing in your flesh. Romans chapter seven, verse 18, Paul says that, "There is no good thing in me, that is to say, in my flesh." He had to qualify that because there is a good thing in us. If you're born again, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. That's a good thing. But there's no good thing in your flesh. There's not this kind of flesh and it's okay. This kind of flesh and they're really bad. And this kind of flesh is... No, there's no good thing in our flesh, period. I don't care what your flesh looks like. Some of you think you are USDA flesh. (laughs) (laughs) That you are just the cat's meow and special after your flesh. You need an encounter with Jesus. Because we're nothing after our flesh. We have nothing after our flesh. And we can do nothing after our flesh. And yet even the church is focused on nothing but flesh. And we wonder why death is the fruit. When the scriptures tell you if you live after the flesh you will die. Amen. And he's not talking about physical death. You're going to physically die whether you walk after the spirit or after the flesh. He's talking about everything that encompasses death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. My goodness. I did a study one time because I don't want to just tell people don't be deceived. I was shocked at how many times the New Testament says be not deceived. Evidently, it's possible for us to be deceived. You know, if it was impossible for you to be deceived, God wouldn't have told us over and over again, do not be deceived. Evidently, we can be deceived. So I I need to guard against deception in my own heart. And then as a pastor and a leader in the church, I want to help people be not deceived. And yet, boy, the deception over the next verse is profound. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. And it's not an exhaustive list. He just ran out of breath. (laughs) He's just giving you some examples. We'll inherit the kingdom of God. What do we not get, and how could we be deceived? saying that these kind of practices are acceptable in the kingdom of God. Amen. And yet, I guarantee you, that's a long list, but only one of them pulls the trigger. One of them will create a response No matter where I go. And the first one on the list. Is fornication. And. One of the things that. I've learned to accept my forgiveness. Purge my conscience over. That. I didn't remain sexually pure. Before I met Sue. And. Failed miserably, and one of the things that bothered me the most about failing, if I'd have just had a little help, I know I could have overcome. And, and yet, I fail. So when I read the list, I'm first on the list. In the sense of, I'm not bringing these things up out of self righteousness or condemning anybody or, or being mean. No. Look at the next verse. He says, and such were some of you. That means everybody in this list can change. And yet the culture will tell you there's certain things on this list that if you even try to help somebody change. If this nation doesn't repent soon, I know firsthand us preachers are going to wind up going to jail. Just trying to encourage people in sexual purity. We're not attacking anybody. We're not mean spirited. We love people. That list will kill you. That list will keep you out of the kingdom of God. We want you in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Let's work on this. We're not even condemning it. I was number one on the list. And such were some of you.
2: Do
1: you realize what I just said without saying it? And yet the church believes now that certain things on this list you can't change. And yet you say you look at, you're, you're looking unto Jesus. You say you love Jesus. You say you love His Word. Such were some of you. But look at this. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Aren't you glad you're not those things anymore? Yeah. You're a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, now all things have become new. Amen. You're not a, I'm not a fornicator. I was a fornicator. And Jesus forgave me. And Jesus changed me. And now I'm a new creation. And I'm righteous and truly holy. Not by works of my own. But by the precious blood of Jesus. And you can be forgiven of anything you're practicing that violates God's nature of love. And His character of holiness. Hallelujah. Boy, that's just good preaching. Amen. And it's so simple, how could we miss it? Yet the church is embracing things God forbids. We're deceived. I've, I've encountered Jesus and no one will ever convince me that the grace of God can't change anybody for God's glory. If you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you can be not only forgiven, but changed. And have a new identity that is not an identity that's in Adam that's fallen and that enslaves the masses. But you can get a new identity now in Christ that makes you seated in heavenly places far above all this garbage that's going on in our world. That's what the amazing grace of God can do. And yet I have seen parents renounce the word because their children are embracing certain things on this list. You know, I believe we're in the middle of a great awakening. It may be 30 or 40 years before it comes to flourishing. The first great awakening was over a 70 year period. The second great awakening wake uh, over a 50 year period. Second great awakening was over a nearly a 70 year period. So the Lord's already told me we're in a great awakening. And I believe it has to happen in the church before it's going to happen out there. We, we want people to wake up out there, but we're asleep in here. And I'm not saying that to you personally. I'm amazed at how well you stay awake. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, I don't want to be misunderstood here. You're blessed and you are a blessing. But I'm telling you, the Bible says before the appearing of Jesus and His kingdom, there's going to be a great falling away. I actually had some ministers rebuke me. For preaching we're in a great awakening and that there's going to be this great awakening. And they said, well, the Bible says, because I kept saying we're coming to the last of the last days. And I believe there's a great awakening that God has told me this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so they're saying, yeah, there's but you, that can't be true. The Bible says there'll be a great falling away. I didn't say everybody's going to wake up.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. That's
1: One of the reasons I believe now is the time for a, a good church to grow and expand is a lot of churches are fixing to die. Yeah. A lot of churches are fixing to die right in the middle of a great awakening because Jesus is visiting his church. And if you'll read the book of Revelation, the Jesus in that book is the Jesus that we're supposed to be preaching. And he walked among the candlestick and he said, you're doing really good here, but I got a problem with this. And I'm just wondering if we're even awake enough. To believe He's with us right now. And would He have a problem with something? And would be we be willing to deal with whatever doctrine? He dealt with their doctrines that they had embraced. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Man, such were some of you. But now, you are justified. So you have a brand new identity. Alright, go to 1 Corinthians 15. And let's look at our abilities. And how grace has affected our ability. 1 Corinthians 15 Again, we all have to begin to identify with who we are in Christ, and this will tear down all walls of division among us, period. Secondly, how do we do what we do? How do we do what we do? In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is talking about how he felt he was one of the least of the apostles, but God had really used him, and how that... When Jesus was raised from the dead, He was seen of many witnesses. He appeared to the disciples. They saw Him and He returned to them. At one time, over 500 people saw Jesus. When Jesus was raised from the dead, the graves opened and people came out of their graves. That's just amazing to me. I'd really like to know more about that. Man, I I wish I could share my testimony of when I died. Uh... And one of the things that amazed me when I, when I came out of my body is I thought all these years I'd have a hundred questions for Jesus. Man, I used to have a pad by my bed. And I wrote my questions down because one of the prophecies from Colonel Holt was Jesus was going to visit me at my bedside. So I had a pad of questions. You get caught off guard. And here I leave my body and I don't even ask him why women think the way they think. <laughs> Can you imagine that opportunity that I missed? Why I died? I could have had a hundred questions. I only had one question. Am I done? It was the only, only question I had. Am I done? And, and the Lord said, no, you're not done. And so I said, well, I want to go back if I'm not done. If I'm done, I want to stay. But if I'm not done, I want to go back. Because I want to make sure I get done so that when I come out of my body at the appointed time, I hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Some of you, again, you're going to leave your body and God's going to look at you and go, well, you're done.
2: <laughs>
1: you just didn't. You didn't do very well. You didn't run very well. So Paul is saying I saw the Lord. He met the Lord on the road to Damascus. And that's when he described in other scriptures this unapproachable light that he had encountered. And so he talks about in verse 8 that he was the last to see. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He didn't forget the way he was And even participating in the stoning of Stephen, he just didn't allow it to condemn him in now who he is in Christ. Many people let their past define their present and sabotage their future. And Paul learned how to look back and draw courage out of it, mercy out of it, grace out of it, thanksgiving out of it, so that we can be gracious to other people. One of the reasons people are so mean that go to church is they don't know how good, good God's been to them. Once you see how good God's been to you, you, you'll be good to other people. So he says, but by the grace of God, I am. Look at this now. By the grace, not race. By grace, I am what I am. See, grace makes you who you are. You don't make yourself. You're not a self-made man. I hadn't told that in a long time. I had a meeting and a man came up to me. He was mad at me because I was telling him how after the flesh none of us are any good. Self is your problem. You better learn to deny self. Not build up a high self-esteem. Uh-oh. I'm getting in trouble. I got a book on this. But the church is trying to build up a high self-esteem. We're supposed to deny self. Take up our cross and follow Him. We're supposed to build a high Christ esteem. And so I'm preaching all this stuff. He came up to you, I want to tell you something right now, young man. I like that part. I was young. He says, young man, I'm a self-made man. And he was mean. And you got to understand, when we tell these stories from the podium, there's a context. You'd have had to been there. But I was in a bad mood.
2: <laughs>
1: and I just asked him why he made himself so ugly.
2: <laughs> if you're a
1: self-made man. Amen or O oh me.
2: I guarantee if you're a
1: self-made man, you're not beautiful in the eyes of God. I'm not a self-made man. I'm a grace-made man. Grace has made me who I am. Paul says, "Grace made me who I am. Grace made me an apostle. Grace made me, even though I was the least of all the apostles, Grace made me. An apostle. But look at this. This is amazing. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. I labored more abundantly than they all. They all who? All the other apostles. Think about this for a minute. He's saying, look, I'm the least of all the apostles. That's humility. But then I labored more than every one of them. I've worked harder than every one of them. I've gone into the known world preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those guys are still stuck in Jerusalem. I'm kind of kidding about that. (laughs) But think about that statement. I'm the least of all the apostles, but grace made me who I am. And though I labored more abundantly than they all. But look at this. But the grace of God. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Did you catch that? He said grace, this amazing grace, critical grace theory teaches people they can become the sons of God by the amazing grace of God, not by their self-effort. Critical grace theory teaches that you can believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead, and confess Him as your Lord and be saved, not be confessing all your sins to get saved. Even the church is confused thinking we have to confess our sins to get saved. That makes you the author and confuser of your faith. You can't confess all your sins to get saved. You don't know all your sins to get saved. You better believe in your heart God raised Jesus from the dead and confess Him as Lord to be saved. Now that you're a son and a daughter, now you can bring your sins to Him to be cleansed of them as you walk in your daily walk with God, to purge your conscience from these dead works so you can keep serving the living God, etc., etc. So, he says, grace made me who I am. Grace has forgiven me. Grace has changed me, made me a new creation, made me an apostle. And then he says, and I'm laboring, I'm working, yet not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Grace not only makes us who we are, grace empowers us to do what we do. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I've got a whole hour on this called Paul's Thorn because this is controversial. And Lord knows I'm not controversial. <laughs> so I don't want to be controversial. And I, I don't have time to explain Paul's Thorn in the flesh. But i got a whole hour on that. It's free. You can download it. And I deal with what is this thorn? What is this thorn? But let's just leave that alone For now. And look at what he said about it. Verse 8. Concerning this thing. He's talking about this thorn in the flesh. That he'd already said was a messenger sent from Satan. To buffet him. He didn't say it came from God. It was a messenger sent from Satan. To buffet him. To beat him. To put him through the things I talked to you about last night. He says and I love this. I pleaded with the Lord three times. Times that it might depart from me. Man, I love that. He's going through hardship. This guy's preaching the gospel and getting stoned. I I taught you last night and left for dead. This guy's getting on a ship to go to Lena to preach. (laughs) And the thing sinks. And you're, you're on a board in the sea day and night. And finally you find land and you go and you're cold and you want to build a fire and a snake latches on to you and the natives prophesy he'll die in 15 minutes then when he doesn't die in 20 they're worshiping him boy people change fast don't they (laughs) i mean he's just going through hardship of hardship he preaches the gospel again and they don't receive an offering or take up an offering they take up rocks he's preaching and the disciples have to put him down a wall to get him out of town it's terrible Thank you for your kindness again. He said, I besought him three times. Now, first of all, that helps me that evidently it's okay to keep seeking God over an issue in your life, especially if you don't like the answer he gave you. Come on. Because watch what he says. I besought the Lord three times. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I don't know what we're missing there. He sought him the first time. God, this thorn in the flesh, can you help me? I mean, everywhere I go, I get beat. I got a big beat with rods. I, I mean, on and on it goes with just persecution, opposition, afflictions. And I'm serving you. Can you, can you help me with this? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's cool, but can you help me with this thorn? <laughs>
2: That's
1: how we do. We just totally ignore what God's trying to tell us. So you go to him the second time. Hey, are you seeing what's happening here? I'm being beat everywhere I go. I'm being imprisoned. And I'm innocent. He was a human being like us. Don't think for one minute that didn't bother him at times. Yeah, he overcame it. Yeah, he was very spiritual in the end. But him and Silas are preaching and they get arrested. And worse than that, at midnight they begin to sing praises to God and Silas is tone deaf. It was terrible. So he goes a second time. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's great, God. I'll preach that at the next town. But can you help me? (laughs) We all do it. Third time, it finally hit him that it's in our human weakness and our humility and our weakness. Once we really realize we can't do this We don't have the strength. We don't have the power. We don't have the ability in and of ourselves to do anything. That's when the grace of God hits you. And it's the power of God that strengthens you then. And that's what he went on to say. Therefore, once he got it the third time, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Weaknesses is what that word means when you look it up. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, needs, Persecutions, distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen. I wish I could help you just preaching it to you, teaching it to you. But this is one of them things that you can go to Bible school. I don't know if y'all went to Bible school. I didn't hear that part. But you can go to Bible. I wasn't trying to call you out. It just, it came out. I went to Bible school. You're awesome. You can, go to, you can go to Bible school. You can go to church your whole life. And you can get it here. You're listening as good as anybody I've ministered to in years. You're even on your head and acting spiritual. I appreciate it. (laughs) But you'll walk right out of here and try to live this life in human ability. Human wisdom. You'll try to accomplish the will of God after your flesh. And you'll let the world get you concentrating on nothing but your flesh. And God says, look, it's in your weakness... That the power of Christ rests upon us. So we are who we are by grace. And we do what we do by this thing called the amazing grace of God. All right, the last one. Go to 1 Corinthians 4 is our possessions. And this is pretty cool. I've never heard anybody share from this passage. So I always like going there. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll start here in a minute in verse 6. How many of you at least know Philippians let me do the negative? How many of you at least know jesus said in john fifteen five without me, you can do nothing yes. See nobody I appreciate you. nobody goes that 's not in the Bible at least here, but do we believe without him, we can do nothing? we can't be kind yeah. we can't be loving. Right. We can't walk in any form of unity. And so when you understand what he's saying, without me you can do nothing, he's really saying without the grace of God you can do nothing. Because he is God's grace. Then though he turns around, or the Bible turns around and says in Philippians 4.13, you all could quote it. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Through who? See, it's not correct to stand up and say, I can do all things. You can't do all things. You can only do all things through Christ that strengthens you. And so it's this grace and understanding grace that empowers you to run this race, empowers you to be reviled and not let it knock you out of the race. I never thought I could take the persecution I'm taking now. I went to an elder. I I, I need to hurry. I don't know what the time is here, but I went to an elder years ago. And I've never told this story publicly, but there was a a famous person in the body of Christ. This article came out and they blasted this person and they just destroyed them on a major publication. And my heart just sank for that person. And I thought, that would devastate me. I go to this elder, we had dinner that night, and I shared with him, I said, man, I, I just don't. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle that on a national newspaper. Me on the front page and just blasted like that. And he grinned at me. That made me mad. <laughs> Sue and my elders make me mad a lot. I talked to you about that last night. Sorry. He smiles at me. He says, "Don't worry about it." God is on you, and when you get there, if you ever get there by God's grace, that same grace will be with you to be able to take any kind of opposition. Amen. And it just changed my whole attitude. I still don't like being hated. I don't like being rejected. Nobody does. I taught you that. But the bottom line is, God's grace is His power in our weakness. Amen. And remember my hog story? I wasn't just telling a story. That was the weakest mentally physically I had ever been and grace hit me a power that I've learned to develop and walk in all right in first Corinthians chapter six the third one here first Corinthians first Corinthians chapter four verse six sorry um our possessions our possessions verse six now these things brethren I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes That you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. That none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. That is so difficult and convoluted. You've got to almost read not only the beginning of the chapter, but on down later to really get the full context. But he's simply saying we should never think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think or what is written. What is written. In other words, it's written, after the flesh, you can do nothing. So, quit being so prideful about who you are after the flesh. But it's also written, you're the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It takes as much humility to accept your righteous and truly holy as humility to admit, without Him, I'm nothing. And I didn't understand that. I had a false humility working in my life for quite a while. I could accept I was nothing after the flesh. I got that. I was an expert at that. But to have to accept, though, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, that takes humility too. Amen. All right, let's get to the good stuff here. Verse 7 For who makes you differ from another? If you listen to the Marxists of our culture today, there is a goal to make everybody the same, it's demonic. It's terrible. It's evil. We are not the same. We are equal in the sense of a creation of God and equally loved, equally valued, equal in our inheritance. I can can show you equality throughout the New Testament of male and female, Jew and Gentile, all those kind of things. But we're not the same. We're different and who made us different? God made us different. Different is not bad. Men and women are different. I don't care what you think, you're messed up. Men and women are different. I didn't say women were inferior. See, people's minds have been so diluted and polluted by the world. When I say men and women are different, they hear me say women are inferior to men. I didn't say that. No way are women inferior to men. Amen. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) And on and on I could go with what people hear. We're supposed to be celebrating our differences, not allowing the world to separate us because of our differences. God made us different. And our differences complement our destinies. Some people are just... I mean, some people... For who makes you differ from another? Now look at this part. And what do you have that you did not receive? Everything you have, you received. That's why there should never be arrogance in us. There should never be I'm better than anybody else. It's impossible if you understand grace. If you understand the cross. To boast in anything but the cross. Who... Gave you an IQ of 180. I don't think there's anybody in here with that IQ. Sorry. (laughs) I'm judging after appearance. That ain't right. I mean 180. I mean that. But who made you and gave you an IQ of 180? You didn't earn that. You didn't deserve that. That came from God for a purpose. And he has a purpose for you. Genius. And you're supposed to be excited about people like me with an IQ of 22. I, everybody that graduated with honors in my high school need to be thanking me. I'm the reason they were in the top
2: 10%.
1: God makes some people slow. They're just slow. That's not bad. That's not evil. They're slow. Some people are created, and I mean they're created by God fast. I could go on forever. You get the point. And yet the world is trying to, to divide us over our differences and God is trying to unite us in our differences. Amen, Amen. that was powerful. Amen. What do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not? Received it. Everything we have came from God. And when you begin to see grace truly and the dimensions of grace and how grace works and touches every part of your life, it's so easy to be thankful. When you look at our culture, it it grieves me the unthankfulness, the ungratefulness for our country and our freedom and our liberty and the prosperity that if you want to participate, you can prosper in this country. I don't care who you are or what you are. You can prosper. And freedom gives you the liberty to be poor if you want to be poor or to prosper if you want to prosper. And God, man, Second Corinthians chapter eight verse nine says, "For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might be made rich." And no matter how you try to slice and dice that, people are just, even many of us preachers, refuse to take context in the Bible. Chapter 8 is all about money and finances, and chapter 9 is all about money and finances. And in the middle of that, he said, Jesus was made poor with your poverty, that you might be made rich with his riches. I'm not saying everybody needs to be and is going to be a multimillionaire. But everybody's rich. Amen. And God's will is for you to be rich. Rich is relative, but... And yet people even fight that. And yet, how come we can't be thankful for everything we have? Let me close with this. Go to Philippians. Let's sum it all up. Philippians, chapter 1. A precious man came to me. I'm not sure he's here. If I look up and see him, I might back out. So I'm not going to look up. But he was really sweet. And he asked me, is there any way you can tell a certain story that I've told? And I can't just tell a story and make it fit a message. So I I told him, I I don't know. I'll try if it fits. And it does fit. And as I scan the crowd, I'm not sure he's here. So that ain't right.
2: (laughs) I'm not trying to condemn him.
1: But I'm, I'm... Preaching to you and you're not here. And God taught me a long time ago as a pastor how to kill a church. The way to kill a church is preach to people that aren't there. That's how you kill a church. So anyway, this will mean something to him on video. (laughs) Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, verse 19. For I know that this will turn... He's in jail. I got to hurry here. But he's in jail. And he's realizing it may be his time. So he says, I I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. What a statement. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Mm -hmm. Man, I want to get there. I don't think I'm there, but I want to get there. That you really come to a place that whether I live or I die, Christ is going to be glorified in my body. Amen. Then he says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. Boy, I know that from the Bible and I know it from experience. Only a few of you know what I went through. So... We don't have time to share on that, but I'm telling you, there is a heaven, and it's real. And it's so close that it's just like that. Right, yes. That's why Hebrews chapter 12 says we have this crowd, cloud of witnesses that are encompassed round about. I don't know how that works out theologically in the sense of what do they know, what maybe they don't know. I don't, But they're so close. Heaven isn't a billion galaxies away. Right. Heaven is right here. And it's going to explode into this realm here soon and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And So Paul is saying, hey, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. And then he went on to say, look, I'm going to choose to stay because you people need some teaching. That's what he said. He said, I think I'm going to stay because you guys need to be taught more. I love that. I preached this years ago. I'll never forget it as long as I live. I said, man, for us to live is Christ. We are a new creation. Christ is in us. The hope of all glory. Col- Colossians one twenty seven, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That ought to light anybody's fire. Even if you don't believe it, you, you ought to hope it. Right. I had one guy tell me, I don't believe a word of that, but it sure sounds good. (laughs) That we're not living unto ourselves, and we're not the same person we used to be before we got saved, but Christ lives in us. And this lady got so angry, she jumped up, marching out of the church, mumbling that I'm out of here. He said he was Christ. He said he was God. Two things. Number one, I'm too dumb to be God. (laughs) number two you're too smart to think i'm god so i apologize for insulting your intelligence i'm not god you're not god but the gospel and the power of the gospel is such that christ lives in us and we have a new identity and it's not just theology it's reality the spirit of christ is one spirit with your spirit. 1 Corinthians 6:16 6, says, "You have the spirit of Christ on the inside of you, and for you to live is Christ." We are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet we're not acting like it at large. Again, I'm not Jesus and Jesus is not me. Years ago, I need to tell the story right. I never get it right. Sue was actually making the tea, some sun tea. And she put tea bags in the water. And set it out in the sun. And a miracle happened. It was magic. There was an infusion. There was angels singing. There was thunder and lightning. And the water changed. And then Sue takes the water... And she pulls the tea bags out. She throws them into the trash. And then she gives me a glass of tea. How can we be confused over water and tea? The tea went into the trash can. This is the water. But what do we call the water? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It's the water. The tea is in the trash. But what do we call the water? Now we know it's the water, and we know the tea is in the trash. But the tea had such a profound effect on the water and got inside of the water and infused with the water, and now we don't call the water water anymore. We call the water tea. I'm not confused. You're not confused. God the Father's not confused. Jesus has impacted your heart and infused His very life into your heart that God the Father looks at the church and goes, T. He's not confused. I'm not confused. I'm not Jesus. Jesus is not me, but we be T. And God wants us to leave here And everywhere we go, people come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Because it's no longer you that live, but Christ that lives in you. The teabag is at the right hand of God. But before it got there, it created a whole new creation that you and I are part of. That on the inside... Our spirit is totally united, infused with Him. And if we can ever learn to walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh, as we learn these things, as we're discipled, we'll see the power of God everywhere we go. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank You for these precious people. I thank You that You look down on us tonight and You say, T, you are well pleased with what Jesus has done. The grace of God has changed our identity And now we're learning by the Spirit who we are in Christ. It has changed our abilities. We are no longer without you. For without you, we can do nothing, but we can do all things with you, through you, by you. We can love the unlovely. We can truly revile not when we're reviled. We can run this race with patience like I taught last night. No matter what opposition comes against us, it'll strike the new life of Christ And that life flow out of us. Thank you, God, for these precious people. Thank you for this pastor. Thank you for their destiny. Thank you that as we come into a great awakening, that you are looking for places to show yourself strong on their behalf. I pray that this be one of those places, Father, in Jesus' name and for His glory. Amen and amen. Were you blessed? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815- 990-0367 Always remember that you are a part of the beloved family of God and beloved church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul your mind your will your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the father desires for you to have we love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon goodbye beloved